The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 106th ever show of All Around Sports. Each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always... I will give you my highlights, lowlights, bizarre news items, and event of the week that I attended from this past week. Also, in about 20 minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, as I said, I'm up here in Boston, and it's a pretty crazy story up here with uh, Aaron Hernandez, so I'm going to depart from the norm and start off with my bizarre story of the week which is this crazy Aaron Hernandez case. Uh, He, of course, is a tight end for the Patriots. It's bizarre for one simple reason. Yesterday here in the Boston area, when in fact the suburbs, not too far from my my house, I live near Gillette Stadium, uh, there was an OJ-like car situation with Aaron Hernandez. Uh, It was bizarre. It was live on TV. And it was such a throwback to that night watching OJ. It was just incredible. But yet it was all Boston local news and I'm sure some national as well. And uh, so they had helicopters trailing him as he left his house, drove about 20 minutes up to Gillette Stadium, where he spent just a little time. It's come to light today that he was basically asked to leave. And then he drove from... uh, from Gillette Stadium, about a half an hour into downtown Boston, being trailed the whole way. Apparently, by the time he got to Boston, you know, fans, people, what have you, had figured out the public, kind of what was going on. Some people recognize his car, so they're like cheering again, just like that crazy OJ chase uh, of years ago. And this is just a gigantic story up here. It's one of the more rumor-filled stories I've ever been around or close to or seen here in Boston. We've had a few of them, trust me. Um, there's just, you know, news or and or rumors coming out seemingly, you know, every few minutes. Uh, it appears he is being charged. Uh, an arrest warrant has been issued for him, by all accounts, uh, for obstruction of justice. 
many surreal parts to this. The most surreal simply was that he destroyed, allegedly destroyed his home. Surveillance equipment, camera, what have you. Also brought in a cleaning crew to clean his house. Um, and apparently his lawyers handed over his cell phone to the police literally in dozens, if not hundreds of pieces, completely broken up, busted, whatever, just like the surveillance equipment. So it's, uh, it's crazy. There's no other way to say it. It's just, uh, you know, fluid <clears throat> to say the least. And, uh, <clears throat> just again, news breaking moment by moment, uh, the whole town is just completely, you know, uh, riveted and sucked into this, uh, myself included. You, you can't be in Boston right now without and have an interest in sports and not be consumed by this, uh, as it builds kind of each day to now we have apparently, you know, an obstruction of justice arrest warrant out for Aaron Hernandez. Um, moving on to my highlight of the week. Got to give it up to the Miami Heat, period. Say what you will, like them or not. They did it, and they did it in fine style, to put it mildly. Uh, last night, you know, not the greatest game. What could follow game six, right? And uh, But, boy, I got to tell you, I sat up in my chair big time for that last five or six minutes. That was good stuff. Game seven, NBA title, there for the taking. And it was just uh, wonderful television uh, and a worthy follow-up, at least the last five minutes of the game, to what was just an amazing game six. That was just uh, as good a sports event as you, you could see uh, ever. Um, Ray Allen, again, watched him do that for the Celtics. When he went up with it, I definitely knew he had a shot to nail that three from the corner. Seen him many times up here in the last few years. And, uh, you know, that's what they got him for, period. I'm a big believer that, you know, you pay these guys whatever you pay them for a certain specific talent, in some cases, Ray Allen, three-pointer, case in point. And he delivered big time. Um, one shot, he earned his entire salary and much, much more. I always liken it to J.D. Drew's uh, $70 million co contract with the Red Sox. He basically didn't do nothing, was the target of Boo Birds for years from day one. But in 2007, in the uh, seventh game, he basically walked to the plate with the bases loaded against the Cleveland Indians in the ALCS. And uh, they had come back from a 3-1 deficit to have Game 7 in Fenway. I was sitting right there. Walked up, grand slam, that's it. Uh, we know the rest of the story. They win the game by, uh, you know, 10 runs or whatever. Uh, go on to win the World Series uh, against Colorado Rockies and sweep them. So, in my mind, J.D. Drew earned $70 million with one swing, period. Just that simple. And... Uh, for those who might think the math is a little crazy, uh, when you think how much more the Red Sox earned than $70 million by being world champions in 2007, uh, amazing to think about. So, good for Ray Allen. Again, my low light of the week, and it's really 
uh, game seven and six, but the real low light of the week for me was just watching Tim Duncan miss those two bunnies, as he calls them, layups right there with 30 seconds to go last night, either of which would have tied the game. He was on Shane. Shane Battier was on him. He had him beat. He was right there. I mean, Tim Duncan makes that shot 999 times out of 1,000, let alone two tries. Uh, missed a shot, then missed the tip. Again, he makes either, it's tied, there's 30 seconds to go, and everything changes from what we saw in the last 30 seconds with the Heat. We don't know that we're going to see that if the game is tied. So, Tim Duncan, I've never seen him so emotional. Uh, You know, as you all saw, he went down and, like, you know, smashed his hands on the floor uh, like Duke players do on defense uh, out of frustration right around midcourt, top of the key. So it's as much emotion as I've ever seen. Listening to his press conference again last night, very emotional. The flip side was, you know, I saw him laughing like I haven't seen him before. This is all sort of a new side of Tim Duncan, the highs and lows. But, you know, walking into the American Airlines arena for game six, he was just downright jovial. Uh, Again, not something you normally see from him. And uh, I said, and they showed two different clips. Uh, maybe it was out on the court near the beginning of the game. Again, big smile, and I just said, he's going to play well. They're going to play well. They might win it tonight, game six. And we all know that he played very well. Uh, 25 points in the first half. It was vintage Duncan. And I thought, you know, seeing the good mood he was in prior to the game, seeing that performance in the first half, epic vintage Duncan, I said, you know, this is it. This is his day. This is like his whole career is built to this moment, and he is going to, uh, you, you know, it's not going to be about his age. It's just going to be about this is this is the one game left in his career that he's taking over, and uh, he basically did uh, for the first half, and then we all know what happened. Just, again, amazing, amazing uh Game six, so much went on. Miami Heat fans leaving the arena. When Ginobili was missing that foul shot, I actually DVR'd it. I went back to take a look. They're literally pouring out of the arena, down five, 28 seconds to go. And, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard also missed a foul shot. Either of those go in. Both he and Ginobili were one for two. Either goes in, the game's over. Spurs win. Just that simple. But... Again, great, great series, and again, you have to give the Miami Heat credit. They got it done. It doesn't matter how. They got it done, two NBA titles in a row. Um, I've seen this with the Celtics. The Spurs reminded me of it a little bit where the Heat, they're pretty relentless, and basically when they get to the last five minutes of a game that can go either way in the playoffs, and I'm talking big games, I'm talking game sevens, I'm talking, you know, Postseason, reputation on the line, big three, all of it. Not six, not seven, all of it on the line. The Heat usually win, almost always. And, in fact, I used to get this bad feeling watching, you know, the Celtics, like a feeling of inevitability that the Heat would own the last five minutes. I got that same feeling, certainly last night, and even to a large degree, in game six, despite the fact that the Spurs held the upper hand until there was literally 10 seconds to go or five seconds when Ray Allen hit that shot. But again, you know, like him or hate him, 
the Heat uh, got it done. You have to respect him. And LeBron, he is the best player on the planet. He uh, he took over last two games, fourth quarter, thirty-seven points last night, fourth quarter performance, game six. He, I hope this guy's not questioned anymore. It's it's really getting old and tired. Uh, he deserves all the accolades he could possibly have, and he deserves none of the criticism that he seems to get. So, uh, NBA season over. Just a few games left in the NHL. We'll get to that a little later. But, well, let me just take a moment and just say Bruins, Blackhawks, game five tomorrow night in Chicago. Game four was awesome here in Boston, 6-5. I never thought I'd see 11 goals from these two teams. And... Uh, it's going to be great. These last three games, it's the best of three now. Two of them are in Chicago. Boston is on fire. Big send-off rally from the Boston Garden two hours ago to send the, the Bruins off on their plane to Chicago. Great stuff. Packed. Beautiful weather here. Uh, the city is just pumped. So between the Bruins and the Aaron Hernandez story, uh, never a dull moment here in Boston sports. That's for sure. Lastly, my event of the week that I attended was more golf. Following up my attendance at last week's U.S. Open at Marion, I went out to uh, the Hartford, Connecticut area for the Travelers Championship. Great tournament. Went there last year. And it's one of the things that makes it great is that it follows on the heels of the U.S. Open. So there's still just this huge sort of carryover energy that's really, really cool. Um... Justin Rose was there, as was Hunter Mahan, who played in the final pairing with Phil Mickelson. So he had an interesting day last Sunday, to put it mildly. Keegan Bradley, local hero from nearby Hopkinton, Massachusetts, former PGA major winner, um, won the PGA. He's from, grew up about, went to high school about 20 minutes from where I'm at. His school, Hopkinton, Mass, is in the same league as. Uh, as my town, and uh, Hopkinton's, of course, where they start the Boston Marathon. So, Hunter Mahan uh, sat in on his press conference Wednesday, the day of the Pro-Am, and here's what Hunter had to say about the Travelers. Well, I think it just has a good, good energy about it amongst the fans and everybody. The fans truly um, get excited about this, and, and they're great to... Um, play for. I mean, they're kind of an easygoing crowd, and after a U.S. Open week, it's usually kind of intense, and um, all the players are intense. Everybody's intense, it feels like. It. And when you come here, it's not quite as intense going into the tournament. Um, you're a little more, I don't know, almost fluid, and you're just kind of more relaxed, and you're just kind of ready to play. And this course is, is um, you know, set up to make birdies. Um, but it's also set up to challenge you, you know, with the conditions where they are soft and, and a little windy. It's not, uh, I mean, it's not a pitch and putt by any means, but um, you're just not going to be penalized for, for hitting a bad shot. You can still play the hole and then get a birdie and be successful on it. So it's, um, it's just not quite as uh, strenuous on the mind. Right. That was Hunter Mahan. Again, uh, played in the final pairing with Phil Mickelson on Sunday at the U.S. Open, now in Hartford. Had a good first round yesterday, and uh, here's what Hunter had to say about playing with Phil last Sunday in the uh, final round of the U.S. Open at Marion. Um, no, no, not really. I mean, it was, I'd say, each experience you go through, um, it gets a little easier. So 
you know, the first Ryder Cup and that first kind of, um, you know, kind of Masters and stuff you get into, I mean, that was pretty challenging. Um, I, I, I just, I knew how to handle it um, this time around. Um, but there was a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of energy out there, you know, with, um, with Phil and everything. I mean, it really Phil's tournament, you know. It was kind of like when Stuart Sink won the British Open, but he beat Tom Watts. It was kind of Watts' tournament, but even though they didn't win, it was kind of Phil's tournament. And, uh, um, you know, it was, you know, I've been with Phil twice when he finished second, so it's kind of has a, it, it's a, you see how much it, it, it pains him to lose and how much he wants to win there and, and uh, how much the fans, you know, um, one of my friends said it feels like Phil never plays away. He always plays at home, you know, because it's just the fans are so for him. They're so, they want it, you know, for him so badly. Um, and it was it was loud there. I heard, you know, happy birthday probably 40 to 50 times. And it was, um, at the end of the day, it was pretty annoying. But it was, uh, <laughs> I'm sure he appreciated it. You know, I appreciate the, the well wishes and everything. And, uh, yeah, it's strange. You know, it really felt like it was a home game for Phil, even though that, you know, we're in Philadelphia, and Phil doesn't have any you know, kind of connection there. But uh, it was a really fun day. We had, a, I mean, we had a, um, it was pressure packed, but it was, you know, I don't know. I felt, I felt pretty good all day. Hunter Mahan, likable fellow, very articulate, and uh, it was wonderful. I myself walked the grounds of Marion last Thursday and Friday, first two rounds, and it was just, it was Phil's tournament, so Hunter Mahan just nailed it perfectly by saying that. It was all about Phil at Marion, and uh, but he wasn't the winner, as we know, Justin Rose was, and here's what uh, Hunter Mahan had to say about Justin Rose. Um, uh, technically, um, he's probably the best player in the game, and I mean that from a putting to bunker game, short game, swing, everything he does is so, it's definitely, I think, the best. Um, I mean, it's just so flawless when you see him and watch him play. He makes the game look real easy sometimes. Um, and he's definitely a U.S. Open guy because he can hit real straight up the tee. He's a great iron player, incredible short game. Um, I mean, that's what you need, you know. I mean, that's going to win anywhere, but for U.S. Open particularly. So uh, I would definitely peg him to Quite a statement that he is uh, technically the best player on the tour. Wow. Uh, so Keegan Bradley also had uh, some things to say about Justin Rose. Keegan Bradley, again, won the PGA major a few years back, so he knows whereof he speaks. I try to hit driver as much as I can out here. You want to try, you got to make uh, as many birdies as possible. So it give you room to hit driver, but there's also holes. You just got to lay back and hit like a two iron or a hybrid off of and wedge in there. And then 15, I think you know every year I've hit three wood off that tee. Um, some years it's not quite enough club, but it puts you right up in the front there. Um, I think a lot of guys would take all pars and just walk on. You know, there's a great chance to make three, even two, but you can easily make bogey or worse on that. And one of the things also was uh, Keegan Bradley, being a native New Englander, is a huge Boston sports fan. And he had some really funny, fun comments talking about uh, – the Bruins game, this was Wednesday, so he was referring specifically to the Bruins game this past Wednesday night, but I'm sure it will all hold true for uh, 
for the rest of the weekend. Uh, here's Keegan Bradley talking about uh, the Bruins. I was before the week started. I knew the the game would be on tonight, and I was just praying for a late early tee time. Um, and when I got the twelve fifty and twelve fifty tomorrow, I was so relieved because I just I love these games so much that I can't I can't miss them. So um, yeah, I'm lucky that I, I'm twelve fifty tomorrow. I can stay up, watch the game, and, and sleep in and be totally fine. So, bottom line, you can imagine that Keegan Bradley is hoping for a late tea time on Sunday because he said it perfectly. You can't miss him. You live here in the Boston area. You can't miss him. He can't. I can't. And uh, he will be watching tomorrow night. And at this rate, it'll probably be another overtime. And earlier, we played Keegan uh, talking about travelers, but we still have one more a uh, piece of audio on Keegan Bradley talking specifically about Justin Rose and winning the U.S. Open. I think Justin is probably a little better spot to handle this than I was when I was a rookie. Uh, he's you know been one of the best players in the world for a long time. Um, he's a great player, but he'll. I mean, I know he's been he's been off doing media for the last you know since he won on Sunday. He's probably just going to be absolutely exhausted. Um, this, this probably will be a tough week for him just to come down from winning the U.S. Open. Um, I know that he's been busy, but if there's anybody that can handle it, it's him. But, you know, winning your first major obviously only happens one time, and it's a, it's an amazing thing. I, I wasn't able to sleep very well for for weeks after, so I hope, uh, hope he's been able to enjoy it and um, go out and play well. Once again, that was Keegan Bradley, PGA major winner a few years back, talking about Justin Rose breaking through last Sunday at Marion, winning his first major. Justin Rose, of course, along with Keegan Bradley and Hunter Mahan, whose audio I played a few minutes ago, is uh, they're all playing at the Travelers near Hartford, Connecticut this weekend in Cromwell, Connecticut to be exact. And uh, for me... Two golf tournaments in a row. Does, I can't imagine uh, any better way to start the summer of 2013 as we uh, broadcast here on literally the first day of summer. One of my favorite days for the simple reason that it's the longest day of the year. There's more light daylight today than any other day of the year, so I plan to take advantage of every second of it. And now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams, from outside the huddle, likes to say... It's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
football, and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football, and we'll talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. It's that time of the show when we typically have guests. And on the line is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, John, and it was sure good to see you the other day. It was great seeing you. Both of us, of course, were at the Travelers Championship in Cromwell, Connecticut, near Hartford on Wednesday, the day of the Pro-Am, and, uh, you know, a lot of big names, and I want to get to that. But, you know, in the meantime, uh, I think we just simply must start off with the Aaron Hernandez story before we get back to Travelers, Uh, you know... I talked at the beginning of the show about the OJ-like, you know, uh, car following from a helicopter. I neglected to mention that at one point, as helicopters are following Hernandez's car from over to Foxborough Stadium, Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, where the Patriots play, then up to Boston, he got out of his car to get gas. And I mean, the media, they're, they're on not just helicopters, they were on the ground trailing him too. This was all live on Boston, local TV. And they just, you know, attacked him at the gas pump, like, you know, not physically, but with questions and mics. And uh, he didn't say a word, but it was classic stuff. And it's very surreal. I, it's, it feels like I use that word surreal more and more these days because there's so much of this stuff on, on our show, AP. Bottom line, he's a Connecticut boy, uh, which so you're, you have even more of a unique familiarity with them. But what are your thoughts on this whole crazy, crazy Hernandez situation? Yeah, it's a very unfortunate, unfortunate situation where, you know, somebody's been murdered and somebody's family has been affected and, Yes. Uh, he, he's right in the middle of that situation. I mean, you've heard things in his past 
but never to this level of uh, seriousness. So I'm sure the police are going to keep digging and, you know, as you said, there's a warrant out for his arrest and it's a nightmare for, for his family, the, the person's family that's been murdered, the, the Patriots, the NFL, the people of uh, Boston, the fans of the Patriots. Uh, I don't see anything good about this story. Well said. It is indeed a nightmare, to say the least. Uh, you, you know, again, it's, uh, you know, I just feel like I'm being thrown back to what I believe was 1994 and this was kind of yesterday afternoon, uh, late morning, early afternoon, as all this is going on again. You know, I'm, I'm, there I am watching another NFL player being uh, tailed by helicopters and, in fact, foot. You know, well, we'll call it mobile traffic from the the media again, just a local version of OJ and uh, the OJ chase. So. It's so strange. You know, with Aaron Hernandez, you know, interesting. We all know he went to Florida. We all, I think we, pretty common knowledge that, you know, a bit of a troubled past, apparently failed drug tests, fell in the draft, things like that. But do do you have any remembrance of him at Connecticut, you know, playing in the state yeah, of no, Connecticut no, as a high school was player? was at the University of Connecticut and played some quarterback in whiteout. And Aaron was actually committed to them and switched to Florida. Really, and pursue his football opportunity at, in the SEC. Hmm. But uh, you know, he's a fabulous player. I believe he was a Gatorade Player of the Year, and then we finished up at Florida Walter Camp, Connecticut Player of the Year. So, you know, he was a hometown boy, and everybody's very excited. But as you say, he's always had this hint of, you know, illegality around him, and he just couldn't seem to shake it. And you don't. You know, you always wonder if he had been drafted by the 49ers or something that maybe some of this, you know, his friends wouldn't have trailed him up here to Massachusetts. But if he, you know, is in essence the uh, the culprit that committed this crime, uh, your friends can't, you know, you can't blame your friends. You have to take accountability for your actions. So, but, you know, he, he just needed a lot of guidance, I think, coming out of college and you know, I'm sure the Patriots were aware of all these things, but sometimes there's a predestination and you can't get in the way and and put a wall up for those actions to occur. Right. Well, he, of course, signed a $37 million contract a couple of years ago. And, you know, you make a really, really good point. You know, I think general sports fans are, you know, myself included, you know, we all had an awareness that, his story was not widely known other than in sort of a big picture way. You knew there were problems. You knew there were issues. Not too many people I know, you know, knew the details, shall we say. And now it's all coming out. And, you know, the where basically it's his, you know, the people he grew up with. And some stories this morning talked about how they apparently trailed him down to Florida. That was somewhat disputed by the Gator people. Uh, you know, saying that Urban Meyer did not let people like him, uh, you know, in, shall we say, you know, did not like players' friends in, so to speak. Yeah. And, uh, but you, what you just made a perfect point. I hadn't made the connection that, yes, he's from Connecticut, plays in New England. He's now a two hour drive away for any of the people he grew up with to, uh, be part of his life, shall we say. And yeah, I mean, it could be any of his fringe group. I mean, if you get to California, that's a whole different situation or to exactly. Texas or Minnesota. But to just drive up on the interstate, 
you can hop in a vehicle and, and you're right there and then right in his face. Very true. And of course, you know, just as we're talking, it crosses my mind, just sort of ironic how, you know, Aaron Hernandez, of course, played with Tim Tebow, who obviously just joined the Celtic or the Patriots. And it's, uh, you know, and Tebow is obviously held up as, you know, a God-fearing man. And, you know, the guy that right. you would want to marry your daughter, obviously. And he and Hernandez have a deep, rich history of, you know, playing together. And, uh, you know, I remember specifically standing in the locker room, being part of a group of media interviewing Hernandez right before the Denver playoff game a couple of years ago where the Patriots trounced him, but it was the height of Tebow mania. The week after the Steelers, after Tebow and the Broncos had beaten the Steelers in that overtime play. And, you know, they know each other really well. It was just obvious. I mean, obviously, Hernandez was you know, his receiver. You know, yeah, John, you know, you're bringing up Jim Tebow and Aaron Hernandez. That's one of the things that flashed through my mind yesterday. I was thinking, here's this, uh, you know, perceived clean-cut uh, All-American kid from Florida and the Right, kind of rough edge player from Connecticut comes down there. I mean, and that was Tebow's go-to guy. I mean, he exactly. drove people wild in that SEC uh, Hernandez because he was kind of a unique type of player, and mm-hmm. and uh, Tebow would be looking for him all the time. You know, he was a safety valve in his comfort zone, and it's really strange. I mean, you talk about influences of Aaron Hernandez. Well, here he is at three or four years of Florida, and. Round 10 Tebow, you would have thought something might have rubbed off, but I guess that was not the case. Correct. And those are such great points. I mean, Hernandez is unique. That's why Belichick liked him. That's why Belichick took Tebow as well. I mean, Belichick uses Hernandez even as a running back. I think that in that very playoff game against Denver, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he's a hybrid, to put it mildly, but, you know, and – it just flashed through my mind too the Tebow connection, just literally in the, as we were talking. And you know, I, I guess we can all just sit here and think, you know, what I'm thinking is, too bad Tebow wasn't around longer or whatever. That like maybe, you know, his influence might have helped. But obviously, Tebow just got here like two weeks ago. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I'm and I'm wondering who's trying to. I mean, I'm sure everyone's trying to reach out to Hernandez. I mean, I don't know how you can get in touch with him now. I guess he demolished that cell phone he had and when he gave it to the officials that somebody better get a hold of him and uh, try to make some sense of this whole thing because he's going to be you know captured and quizzed by the police and they're not they're not going away oh my gosh no no and i gotta think that you know if you destroy things like surveillance cameras and cell phones that are potential evidence uh, that the police uh, are not going to treat you very nice, shall we say. You've lost all goodwill at that point in time is my obvious guess. And just, you know, just to bring it up to date, AP, I mean, he, he emerged into the parking garage yesterday, early afternoon. Apparently his lawyer's office, very high powered firm here in Boston by all accounts, and hasn't been seen since. Today, an obstruction of justice arrest warrant has been issued. Nobody's seen Hernandez since yesterday when he went into his lawyer's office at around early afternoon. So it's been about 24 hours since anybody's yeah. seen him or heard from him. And that's where we stand. 
Yeah, he'll be making an appearance very shortly, I'm sure, with his attorney. So That's what I think by the I end of the day. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen down the road, but his, his best option is, uh, you know, to come, come forth with what he knows and, and hope for the best. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, again, just an absolutely uh, crazy, crazy situation, <laughs> you know, Put it in the ever-growing category of you can't make this stuff up. I continue to be amazed on a daily basis. No, no, it, it, John, it's unbelievable the things we've seen in our lifetime with professional athletes, and I don't think there's much difference between the regular population. Some of the things that occur. So, but but I just never thought I would look to see an athlete coming from you know maybe a less than you know, wealthy background and reaching that those heights, and then you're back into a difficult situation. You know, you, you're, you're trying to get your family set for the next century or whatever, and uh, you revert to a certain type of behavior, and, and it's all negative. Exactly. And, and let me just throw in here, I mean, you know, Aaron Hernandez is as covered in tattoos as any human being I've ever seen in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, very, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going on, you know, being with groups of media on a half a dozen occasions where I like, you know, a dozen or more media was just simply putting, you know, holding a microphone up to Aaron Hernandez, as we do with many, many athletes, it's a handsome guy, baby face, no beard, no facial hair, just really like, you know, had a nice demeanor about him. I always liked him. I mean, I would always, you know, just say you, you couldn't help but comment about the tattoos, but I always said like, you know, really just sort of affable, friendly, very approachable. Didn't say a lot. He, you know, was not a, you know, chatterbox as they say, but he was just, you know, easy to be around, I guess. I, I liked him. What else can I say? I didn't make any judgments one way or the other about him. I didn't know that much about him, but, uh, you know, heck of a player, and just, again, there was just, I guess I would just say, to look at him and, and maybe, you know, without the, with a shirt on and everything, where the tattoos is not entering into your line of thinking, shall we say, or forming an opinion, mm-hmm. very likable. Like, I would just say, last guy to be, I'd ever think to be in trouble. I mean, who knows? You know, you never know, that's for sure. We've no, learned that, no, haven't you we? Never, you never can tell, John, I... Never I had a chance. I had a chance to speak to him one one time at the Walter Camp function. He was very approachable and answered the questions. You know, was polite, and so that was my impression. And I didn't have anything, any other basis to judge his his personality. That and and you know that one time. So all these other things that are happening. It's 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 too bad. It's it's sorry. It is, and to, you know, follow up what you said. You know, it's not just him. It's, you know, the victim's family, the victim, obviously, and just bad story all around. Uh, it just doesn't look good right now. I don't think this is going to get any any better anytime soon. So I, I think it's going to be a very interesting afternoon uh, watching this story unfold uh, and into the weekend. But AP... Uh, you know, we also have, you know, a lot of other stuff to talk about, starting with both of us, uh, you know, being 
front and center for the travelers on Wednesday. And uh, we'll take our break now and we'll get into a little more golf uh, on the other side. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports every wednesday you'll want to talk sports with touchdown tony collins and his co-host bill mattis tony's broken records and has been to the pro bowl and the super bowl we'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news action and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented to you by Outdoor Channel. On this week's program, we'll have Gary Hamby from Deer Dirt and outdoor writer Scott Bestial, and he'll tell us how to use chainsaws for deer management. Hey, we also have another outdoor writer, David Hart and Brent Eaton with Polaris. Hello, Polaris. When we talk about food plots and deer management. And as always, it's brought to you by Outdoor Channel and Ram Trucks. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Where's America, listeners? Welcome back to the final segment of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And still on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., uh... As we mentioned earlier on our previous segment, you and I were both at the Travelers Golf Championship near Hartford, Connecticut uh, on Wednesday for the Pro-Am. Great day, great take. But now we're into the tournament. Bubba Watson is uh, at 10 under, has a two-stroke lead. So why don't you uh, – I talked about you know some of my impressions, played some audio. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Travelers? I know you've been there on a few, uh, a few different occasions uh, in the past few years. You know, John, it's an outstanding tournament from this uh, perspective. The players really love when they, when they get to this event, how they're treated by the travelers people. Uh, the, the crowds are big. The weather is good. They have that 18th hole uh, 
grand stage. You know, you can fit about thirty, forty thousand at the end. And it's like a Bubba bowl. Watson, yeah, you can sit on the hill. Won that 2010 Travelers, his first PGA win, and that really launched his whole uh, career, winning some championships. You know, the Masters came next, and so he's he's also a great start. He, he had an eagle yesterday in the first round. That was his second eagle of the 2013 season. So he loves he you know he said in his interview uh, yesterday how he he loves coming back here and. Uh, He's as hot as a pistol right now at minus 10. So I look for him to have a strong weekend. Maybe he'll, he'll win it again. Well, Bubba, last year I sat in on his press conference the day of the Pro-Am, and he was just fabulous. I mean, I really, really liked him uh, a lot. And, uh, you know, he talked about winning his first Masters a month or two prior to that and uh, winning his first major. And, yeah, just so... Uh, Everybody likes Bubba, and I think everybody's rooting for him, myself included. It's worth noting, by the way, I'm looking right at the leaderboard. Uh, Hunter Mahan is third, uh, tied for second, excuse me, at eight under, two shots behind Bubba. We played Hunter's quotes earlier, and Keegan Bradley, uh, native New Englander, is at six under, four strokes behind Bubba, and we also played Keegan's sound bites uh, just a few minutes ago earlier in the show, so... Good to see though that crew up at the top of the leaderboard. Those are three of the bigger names in the Travelers. Yeah, and it's always good, John, if somebody local is uh, at the top of the leaderboard or near that figure, so the, the fans could have a, a rooting interest for somebody locally. And that seems to be the, the case at the Travelers from year to year. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, I played the. Keegan Bradley sound bites on the Bruins and how he was thrilled to have a uh, late tea time, 1 p.m. or so yesterday, so he could watch the Bruins on Wednesday night. And it just, and I mentioned, I'm sure he's hoping for a late tea time on Sunday, but uh, if he stays at the top of the leaderboard, he will. Uh, but it also just occurs to me now that that could also mean that he'll have, he'll be playing late into the day tomorrow which is the day of game five uh so he might miss the beginning of the game because he could be out on the golf course it's late it's obviously light out now to 8 30 quarter nine um so he might have to miss the beginning of the game but better the beginning than the end uh but he, he's so into it it was great oh yeah and, and another local talent is jj henry he's, he's playing fairly well minus five so uh, and I, I think the weather's supposed to be good, John. Uh, might some, meet some thunderstorms on Sunday, late Sunday. So everybody's hoping that that is delayed. And the, there was a big crowd yesterday. But by the time I was here in the morning, uh, one of the parking lots was already filling up in the back. And today when I came in, the same thing. So I know the travelers, the people here are excited about the crowds and, and the way the tournament's progressing. It really is a great take, and I've been to, I've covered a half a dozen golf tournaments or so in the past few years and been to many others uh, besides that, and heard an ad yesterday with Chris Berman, who played in the Pro-Am from ESPN, just, you know, uh, an ad for the tournament up here on local Boston radio, and uh, it basically said the Travelers was voted the most fan-friendly PGA event. I don't know who votes it or whatever, but I can certainly see that. I mean, both years I've been there, 
it, it just is very welcoming and, and very easy to be at. And the weather, spectacular. Last year was 100 degrees. We'll never forget that. And this year is like 70. So it's, it's just it's a great take. Well, yeah, and they're very proactive, John, with the invitations. I mean, they've had three guys from Alabama, for instance, they've invited with a sponsor's exemption. And, oh, okay. Uh, I, I kidded uh, Justin Thomas uh, yesterday, the University of Alabama sophomore that received the invitation. I said, Justin, did you know that Nathan Groove, he's an Auburn man, and he chuckled. He, he didn't realize that. He said, yeah, I thought he might hold it against me, but, but no, that's not the case. So they're welcoming everybody. Yeah, along with Jason Duffner, who you and I watched <laughs> walk onto the first tee on Wednesday for the Pro-Am. And, uh yeah, the, the, a big time Auburn man, Jason Duffner. That's almost like you know, part of his identity, shall we say? And I guess I, you know on the on the PGA Tour, John, that's kind of a sideline. They, they all talk about their football teams. Correct. Well, good point. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was just about to say that that is a big deal on the PGA Tour, like college football. These players are rabid college football fans to say the least most of them attended universities many of them big programs a lot of them sec for obvious reasons i.e weather so yeah that is a big sidelight as you perfectly put it oh yeah and you know john they might have a bad day when you go to interview them but if you just change the subject to their football team they come to life let me tell you they do i know it's really cool it really is i've seen it a lot of evidence of that and uh yeah, that is their thing, and uh, and I love it. Uh, we know switching sports from golf and college football, two of our favorite sports, by the way. Mm-hmm. Miami Heat, they did it last night. Uh, I talked about at the beginning of the show. Uh, they deserve respect, if nothing else. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the Heat winning last night? You know, John, when you watch the seventh game, there's two categories I try to evaluate. One is the stars of each team. How will they perform? And the supporting cast. Well, last night, LeBron James, the heat was on him, so to say, and he sizzled. <laughs> and as well as uh, his, his his partner there in crime, Side, Wayne kick. Wade. I mean, so they had 60 points between them. And you throw in Shane Battier uh, coming out of nowhere. He hadn't you know, done very much in the series. So that was a threesome that, had just enough to overcome, you know, Duncan, Ginobili, and uh, the third third player for San Antonio, uh, Tony Parker, Kawhi Leonard, and and, right. I, and I thought through the series, Tony Parker really started strong, but he limped through by the time the series was in the seventh game. And I thought that was a factor, but you can't fault San Antonio; they gave a tremendous effort. I'm sure. They're going to think about that sixth game forever. There's no question, but uh, they took Miami to the limit, and LeBron James is the best player in the league, best player in the world, and he performed as such. And, and so there's not much you can you can do, and it was a home game for the Heat. But another thing, John, I'm sure you, you look at this number, that Ray Allen, Mike Miller, Chris Bosh, 0 for 14 between those three. And they still won the game. Amazing. Yeah, there's, you know, I like your formula. It's basically, yeah, stars have to step up. That certainly happened. 
And there's always, always in a game seven, a role player who comes out of nowhere. And last night it was Shane Battier. Um, and it just always happens. And uh, it even happened in this time, you know, for the losing team, Kawhi Leonard. Wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the way he, what he was doing last night was really impressive in those last five minutes. What I said at the beginning of the show, AP, you know, I'm watching it all. I'm enjoying it. It's great. It's game seven. I'm totally into it. Yeah. But boy, that last five minutes, I mean, I literally like sat up in my seat and was just consumed. <laughs> I, I thought that, that really had all the elements you look for in a game seven. I mean, it was like just sort of, and I think a lot of people, even the announcers, you could feel it like, wow, five minutes left. The game is there for the taking. And the NBA championships on the line. How good is this again? And one of really the culmination of what was one of the great final series ever. Yeah, it was very, very, very good. And the other thing I wanted to mention was, you know, Manu Ginobili, the entire series, he just struggled with his ball handling and his passing. You know, he made some plays last night to keep him in the game, but then he made some that just, you're scratching your head. But the, you know, and it's yeah. just those few little plays that makes the difference in a tight ball game. And the Heat made a few more than San Antonio. Exactly, and yeah, Manu Ginobili. I mean, he, you know, he's uh, you you know, moment to moment, moment you love him and you hate him. You know, I don't care if you're Greg Popovich oh, yeah. or, for that matter, Eric Spolstra. You just that's his game. It's brought him a long way. It's going to take him to the Hall of Fame, and it's brought him three titles in the same light. He is the word is reckless. There's no other way. I, that, that to me is the word to describe him. You know, there's a lot to love, but huge risk. You know, with him, I was stunned when they showed Tony Parker on the bench at the end. I know he was exhausted. We all know that. But man, alive! How can he be on the bench? And first, and then the announcers even said, like, "Well, Ginobili's the backup point guard." They had said it earlier in the broadcast. So I'm instantly thinking, and I'm no sage, but I'm just thinking, well, yeah, Ginobili's going to be handling the ball on this possession, the most important of the season. John, sure would. I, I would. And John, let me ask you this question. At the end of the game, I mean, Greg Popovich, his um, humility and his graciousness in losing, I, I thought that was fabulous. fabulous. Now, a lot of Americans, maybe they they're objecting to what he did after the game and congratulating and staying on the court and hugging all the heat players. But I'd love to see more of that because this, this rancor that's in sports, I, I wish it would disappear. And I know that's something that's a dream, you know, fantasy, but I, I really applauded Greg, Greg Popovich, what he did last night. I totally agree. I think it caught all of us a little bit by surprise. It was so genuine and, you know, see, and like affectionate, if you will, the way he was putting his arms instantly around LeBron, Wade, you know, warm. And warm is not a word that anyone has ever attached to Greg Popovich. But that was, you know, such a warm, sportsmanlike thing to do, uh, you know, we saw him smile more than we've seen him smile all year, moments after losing, I'm sure, the toughest series of his life. So, I, I fabulous. You said it perfectly. Yeah, yeah. I think his team left everything on the court, John. You know, there's, there's always mistakes when you're coaching and playing, but he, I think he slept well. 
and yeah, think about exactly. this, but I, I think you can believe this team played up to their you know level of ability and, and considering their health as well. Exactly. Yes. You, you, you do your best. You can't do anything more than that. And clearly the Spurs and the Heat both did that. Well, AP, hard to believe. We're at the end of uh, uh, our show yet again. My appointment viewing event of the week, game five tomorrow. Bruins at Blackhawks. It's going to be great. They now have the stage to themselves. So it's going to be fun. And uh, thank you again, as always, for your great insight. And uh, good to know there's golf in Connecticut this week still, this weekend. Thank you, John. Thank you, AP, and Voice America listeners. Thank you, as always, for listening to All Around Sports. We look forward to doing it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.